Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 139, featuring the top five strange new worlds season one moments. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morris. I'm the host of the Trek Breaks podcast. And tonight we're doing another season recap show. We've had so many of these recently because of all this great new Trek content that we've been getting. And tonight we're doing our top five strange new world season one moments. I mean, what a season. The response to this has been incredible. So without further ado, we're going to introduce our guests and get into this topic. First up coming to us oh we have everybody's from the california sector this week melanie <laughs> shuttlepod to first flight podcast her sixth appearance melanie welcome back thank you i'm so happy to be here happy to have you and returning for his fourth trek ranks appearance also from the california sector josh zeller josh Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Yeah, this one, uh, this one's going to be good. All right, let's get into our Trek Ranch recalibration. Let's start with something small, like a recalibration of the EPS manifold. As regular listeners will know by now, general order number one of the Trek Ranch charters that we love Trek. We love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. Remember, it's not about the ranks. That's just our excuse to talk about the things we love about Star Trek. And as the Volca Master likes to tell us each week, infinite diversity in infinite combinations. No wrong answer. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's just about sharing the things we love about Trek and we love it all. From TOS to TNG, straight to Enterprise, the Kelvin timeline, and now Discovery, Short Trek, Star Trek Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds. I think I got them all. It's all fair game here on the Trek Breaks podcast. Black Alert. Black alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through 853 episodes of Star Trek, which includes, of course, the first full season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I boost the power to the communications bandwidth. And we appreciate that, Mr. Kim. You can find Trek Ranks on Subspace at TrekRanks.com. You can contact me directly on Twitter at TrekRanks or at Enterprise Extra. You can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. At 609-512-5527. Okay, to wrap it up, Melanie and Josh, let everybody know how they can go to hold of you on subspace. Melanie. You can reach me on Twitter at ShuttlePod2. That's ShuttlePod T-W-O. And I also co-host a Star Trek Enterprise rewatch podcast with the awesome Abby Summer. And you can find us also on Twitter at First Flight Pod. First flight pod, friend of the show, Abby Summer. We love it. And Josh, how about you? You're still putzing right on Twitter, right? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Madcap of Science. And uh, feel free to hit me up and uh, looking forward to talking to you soon. Great Trek talking there on Twitter. Okay, let's activate our level one diagnostic to get into this show. Run a level one diagnostic series. Come. All right, really quick, we're going to run through our Trek Ranks Matrix for this type of topic. Remember, we are not just picking five episodes. We are doing specific assignments for each round. So in round five, we're doing our favorite production design element. 
In round four, it's our top performer or actor or creative. Round three is the Dabo round. It's a wild card round. You can pick anything you want to highlight. Round two is all about your favorite character. And round one is clear. It's your favorite episode of the season. That's what we do here at Trek Ranks. And then we'll have some secondary systems for, for everything we miss because there's so much to cover in this season. All right, let's go to our Prime Directives. But what you're proposing is exactly the kind of tampering the Prime Directive prohibits. Okay, Melanie, we're going to start with you. How did you break it down? What was your Prime Directive? I can't wait to get into this. This was tough, Jim, because this is my favorite show of the new Trek modern era. And every episode was brilliant, fantastic. The cast just gelled right from the get-go. Every actor was perfectly cast, phenomenal, and brought so much to the role. And I'm already so emotionally invested in them and in the show. So because every episode was a winner, it just was so hard to narrow down. So I just kind of went with with my gut, with my first gut instinct and did the best I could. All right. That's the tried and true Trek Ranks tradition. How about you, Josh? Um, I'd like to echo everything Melanie said. It's Stranger Worlds is just such a phenomenal show. I'm just so excited to have it as part of the modern Trek uh, pantheon. Uh, I love going back to the basics of the episodic structure. It, it really has allowed for the show to just feel so lived in each episode being its own self-contained um, uh, story with its own genre and feel and tone. and the, the, Yeah, just to really just, you know, um, look at the season as a whole with, um, you know, all these categories in mind and just try to pick the thing that, that just sort of rings true for the season as a whole. Um, and in some cases, something that would be just unique to this particular season. Even. I like um, that. That makes, that makes total sense. I, I appreciate that approach and i'm with you guys this is now my new favorite of all the new tracks it's it's uh it's really no question i it's it was so it felt so nostalgic but it also felt so fresh and modern it, they really they really did something quite uh, amazing so i've never really done this before in our season recap shows for my prime directive but i basically was in the, this mode of i'm going to cover as much ground as possible so I definitely moved a few pieces around my my 3D chessboard to try and cover as many episodes, characters, and just cool things as as I could think of. So I did manipulate my list a little bit with that in mind to get to cover as much ground as possible. That's smart. Yeah, it was. It's kind of cheating, <laughs> but not. <laughs> well, one of the rules of trick ranks yes. is there are no rules. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And first. there's a lot to celebrate. That's exactly my point. There's so much. I just want to make sure we cover as much ground as possible. All right, first connectathon, get us into the new order of things. It'll be alphas like us that determine the future of this quadrant. That will be the new order of things. Thank you, first connectathon. As always, just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, everyone will start with their five-word summary and hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll each reveal our strange new world season one moment and the specific reasons we're highlighting it. And of course, we'll each pick an episode to associate with that pick. And at the end, we'll ask everyone for a few secondary system selections for the picks that just missed our list. And as always, if you have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. 
I have a prediction. RE duplicate picks, which I'm not going to make now, but I will say afterwards. You'll just have to trust me if it if it comes true. We'll see. Okay, Melanie, let's start with you. What's your number five pick for your top five Strange New World season one moment production design element? Five words. A feast for the eyes. Hashtag hell yes, Bernadette Croft. I chose costume design. Oh, yes. That's great. Excellent. As a former theater geek, I've always appreciated costumes, but I think my wonderful co-host, Abby Summer, has inspired me to even pay more closer attention to the detail of costuming. And I have to say from Samantha Smith's leader of Kylie 279 in the pilot to to Pring's wedding outfit and headdress in Spock Amok, to the Majalis costumes, the magnificent wardrobe of the Elysium Kingdom, and to even the updated look of the TOS-style uniforms. Bernadette Croft, the costume designer, just hits it out of the park. She was an assistant designer on Discovery and is now out on her own, and everything is just spectacular. I think it really lent a lot to the season. That's fantastic. I didn't know where she came from. That's good to know she was working on Discovery in Toronto there. That's cool. What ep- what episode did you pick? I'm going to choose the Elysium Kingdom. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> How could you not? Which, the costumes in that are just amazing. They're incredible. <laughs> and this happens to be one of my top episodes. And they were just beautiful. Costumes and Trek are always great. But the level here is staggeringly good. Elysium Kingdom. Those costumes were wow amazing and even in uh just looking at this monster maroon and episode 10 <laughs> quality of mercy mm-hmm. oh incredible mm-hmm. to see that josh what's your take on the costumes that's incredible i i love the costumes yes a shout out to the monster maroon uh from last night's episode is definitely deserving in tonight's uh uh episode of trek ranks um yeah, the costumes are just so great, and just the way that the detail uh, in it, the way they use three D printing in the uh, in the costume design and in in the right. props and everything, that just gets so much more detail than they ever ever been able to even get to. It's, it's there's some mind blowing costumes for sure on the show. Yeah, it's incredible, and I, you mentioned it. The Tuprings, all of Tuprings outfits, just like wow, just mm-hmm. so good. Okay, I love that start. Josh, how about you? What's your uh, production design pick? Number five, production design element. Five words, real life holodeck blows minds. <laughs> Hashtag computer arch. Stay our wall. <laughs> yes. It's been incorporated so beautifully in this show in particular. Um, and I know it's one of those tools that as the productions use it more and more, it'll just go even more seamless into um, the set. But it's just one of those just mind-blowing things to just look at and suddenly you are transported into the into the world so much more and, and to see the light from the, the actual background interacting on the actors is just bringing a whole new level of ver- verisimilitude to the, um, to the show. It's just kind of this mind blowing thing. Um, it literally is the holodeck come to life. Just one of those pieces of technology we never thought would, would come to, to fruition. And here we are just 30 years from TNG's production. They're using it in, in reality for Star Trek. It's amazing. 
Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Did you what what episode did you pick? Uh, All who wander. Oh, okay. of the ship crashed is just kind of this beautiful painting. It just it, it feels so real, even just looking at the behind the scenes photos of them uh, uh, in production. Amazing. It, it it looks so good. So I I think I'm going to jump into my five. It's not a duplicate, but it's really close, and we can talk about these together when we. Uh, bring in Melanie. So my five words and a hashtag for my production design from walls to spaceships, hashtag and scenics to boot. And my pick was just the visual effects period. And so my main focus was on the ships and the actual uh, just visual effects of what's happening in space and everything. But I was also including the, just the way they use this VR, this AR wall. So right from the beginning, the very beginning of strange new worlds, the first episode when they show this shot in the, on Vulcan, where T'Pring and Spock are having dinner, and you just see this Vulcan incredible vista out in the distance. Oh, my God. So good. Just absolutely yeah. stunning. But my main focus was, I honestly think these are the best visual effects in the history of Star Trek this season. Sure. And the only thing that I think is close is maybe the Kelvin Timeline films. But I mean, Trek visual effects have always been cutting edge. But even in heck, even in nineteen, especially in nineteen sixty six, they were cutting edge. But these, this is just next level. It looks incredible. They made some choices that are different from what Discovery is doing, and I just think it came together in a way with the. I just the, I picked Memento Mori as my pick because of Ooh. these space battles and the way the ship moves and the, mm-hmm. the way they showed the Gorn ship and the the. Nebula and everything. It's it's incredible. So um, so kind of we're in the same same area, but I figured I would just jump in with mine. So Melanie, what's your take on the VR wall and the AR wall and uh, the visual effects? Just mind blowing. I mean, this show has exceeded my expectations by leaps and bounds. I'm so blown away with it um, from it. And what you guys are describing with the visual effects and everything you guys are talking about just raises it to that outstanding level that's mind boggling. And when you think about the creativity and skill that had to go into that production design to make it that high level, it's just incredible and raises the show up where it is. So I think those are great picks. Well, also sort of tangential to that, I also want to highlight as part of the VFX world of how they're using some old school tech and utilizing things like uh, puppetry. Oh, yes. The alien design and um, Mm -hmm. things like that, the the way that they were used for the Gorn. Um, You know, I I did think it was CG until I saw the behind the scenes stuff on the ready room. And it's pretty mind blowing to, to be able to use puppetry you know, this ain't no Farscape, uh, you know, like it just blends, it blends in so well. They feel like, you know, it helps really sell the aliens so well to have it be a combination of, of real life actor and a puppet and, and, and uh, CG work and stuff like that. It's just, it is just also seamless. It totally does feel like we've gotten like 10 mini movies here. Mm-hmm. Yep. So glad you brought that up about the puppetry. That's so great. And, no disrespect to Farscape, awesome show, but it's a great hashtag. Uh, this ain't this ain't no Farscape. Um, but yeah, the puppetry when when we when we you, know, you watch the episode, and then you find out. Wait, the Gorns were 
uh, you know, they were CGI augmented puppets. Wow. They did such a good job with that. And then same with like that Buckley character was amazing. And uh, Uh all those who wander as was that the dude in children of the comet. So, wow. Yeah. The visual effects across the board, the uh, VR or AR wall, whatever it's called. um, Amazing stuff. Shout out to Jason Zimmerman and his team for all that they brought to that. So incredible. Okay. Let's go to round four and our creative behind the scenes person, uh, Melanie. Okay. Proudly continuing the Vulcan legacy, hashtag live long and prosper. I chose Ethan Peck. Yes. (laughs) And as some folks know, I'm a huge fan of the Spock character and particularly Leonard Nimoy's performance is very dear to my heart. I started watching in the early 70s. Spock is my favorite Star Trek character. And I just have to say, I am so enormously impressed with what Ethan has done with the role, making it his own, creating a Spock that I just absolutely adore. And it might seem like it would be easier to play a stoic Vulcan, but I bet it's even harder to play with all of the subtle nuances and variances that are needed to convey the spirit of Spock. And Ethan makes Ethan makes it look so easy, but no doubt he's working so hard at it. He's such a good actor. He's put his own spin on it to create such a memorable and beloved character to me with the humor the drama, the personality traits, the friendship with Pike, the relationships with Chapring and Chapel, etc. I just absolutely love the Strange New World Spock, and I extend huge kudos to Ethan Peck. He's incredible, and I feel like he's getting better. Like every episode, he gets better. Mm-hmm. And case in point, the last one, A Quality of Mercy, where now he's playing this alternate Spock that's a little bit that's like way more embraced his logic side and is like yep. much more Vulcan and that you can really see the difference. Uh, incredible performance there. Unbelievable. Josh, what's your take on Ethan Peck? Excellent. Excellent Peck. He's, he's phenomenal. He's so great. He just, um, he really does just exude the Spock character and it is his own, it's its own take on it. Yet it's so recognizable within the framework of, of Nimoy's performance, a little bit of Zachary Quinto kind of thrown in as well. He's got his own unique thing. I I really identify with his performance as the way he, he's just he's just such a top notch actor. Just you know what? Yeah. yeah, he's he's just really phenomenal. And a guy that appreciates the opportunity by just how yeah. he's he's embraced being part of the Star Trek universe. Okay, from, from the universe, you know, being uh, yeah. you know, related to Gregory Peck, you know, yeah. so, so cool. it's a huge selling point, and you know, sort of also helps sort of him that gravitas. He understands what it is to sort of be part of a legacy. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Melanie, what episode did you pick? I chose Spock Amok. Okay, of course. Perfect. <laughs> the human thing is big in her head. You just have to make her see that you get her. It's a Vulcan. Thank you for your advice. If I can ever return the favor, please do not hesitate to ask. What are friends for? What are friends for? That was a rhetorical Spock. Oh, I know. Humans are almost as easy to tease as Vulcans. So good. Okay. Sure, that'll come up some more later. Josh, who's your uh, number four pick? 
Number four, actor slash creative. It's got to be the hair. Hashtag the Boy Scout. Anson Merritt. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad you guys went with the heavy hitters here. He, you know, as much as I really wanted to, to, to go with the writers, um, I just, I, I need a little bit more time to sort of know the, the, write, the writing of the writers individually, you know, see more of the series to, to, to get a sense of that. But Anson Mount, I mean, we wouldn't be here without him, without his performance as Pike in Discovery and, and just, just leading that fan fervor, his, his whole just, just quiet, gentle demeanor, his, his sense of leadership. He's, he's created this, this, this version of Pike that's just so appealing. It's, it's, it's its own take on it, just as with um, uh, a Spock, you know, it's just, um, a towering performance just just he's 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 a real force to be be reckoned with and i feel like he's just getting started really all these actors are really just just who knows where we'll be in season yeah six seven future it's incredible to think it's only 10 episodes in what uh what episode did you pick josh quality of mercy okay uh melanie what's your take on ants and mount this is a fantastic pit Josh, this was a really tough cut for me, so I'm glad you brought him up. What a phenomenal actor in a great role, and I love what he's created. I love Pike's casual command style while still being in control, the way he says things like, hi, okay. He has that empathy. He has empathy and strength at the same time. He's a risk taker. He's smart. He's witty. He's kind. And I just love all of his speeches. I mean, if we're getting into writing here, he has so many fantastic little mini speeches and pep talks. And I, since you brought up Quality of Mercy, I love the way he says, do Romulans have that kind of strength? Wow. And nice, you know, when he says, uh, nice to meet you to the Praetor. I just, (laughs) I love his personality. I love his personality and his command style and Anson is really doing a fantastic job. So, great pick. Open a channel to the Romulan ship. Have you repaired your ship, Commander? Have you repaired yours, Captain? Conventional wisdom suggests that our next move is to resume hostilities. To fight. You yourself told me that in your culture to do anything else would be a sign of weakness. But let me tell you a way in which humans are not weak. Our strength comes from our willingness to see a partner instead of an enemy. In our culture, that is an act of faith and strength, not a failure of character. Do Romulans have that kind of strength? I too tire of endless war. It's really, really good. His performance is uh, is mind-blowingly good. And then we haven't even we didn't even touch on all the nuance of him knowing his fate. And every time that that kind of mm-hmm. rears mm-hmm. its ugly head and he has to deal with it in uh, different ways throughout the season. Unbelievable stuff from Anson Mount. I love it. He's the leader. Number one on the call sheet. Number one in your hearts. Great pick, Josh. Okay, I went a little deeper cut here as part of my prime directive to try to cover a little more ground. And I'm not because uh, I have some other stuff covered and some other picks. So I went with a, someone I did not think I'd go with until here the last hour. Five words and a hashtag. Authentic presence only scratches surface. Hashtag a true fan favorite. 
and it is Melissa Navia, Erica Ortegas, and what a character and what a what a personality she has been in the Star Trek universe. I mean, really, if we're talking about these last ten weeks, no one really knew much about her or the character prior to the the show launching. And again, I I could have gone a lot of direct, different directions on this. Could have, I've in the, in the past I've been going with creatives and writers more, but just seeing her influence in the fandom and the way that she's embraced uh, the Trek community and the way she talks about her character and how it's affected her, all those things I just think are truly truly inspiring and awesome. And then you layer into it how unique and cool and interesting this character Erica Ortegas is with her strength and her ability to laugh, her personality, her directness. I, I, I really love it. I picked it, the Elysian kingdom because that's probably her. Well, she's really, really active, but my favorite exchange of hers is in Memento Mori, <laughs> which I just picked for visual effects when they're talking about this plan to maybe take the ship deeper into the into the event horizon of this black hole and spock's like if we go deeper it could destroy the ship pike's like good thinking we need to go deeper and, and spock's like that's not what i said and our, and he tells ortegas to plot a course and she's like sure didn't our science expert just say that that would crush the ship just asking sir <laughs> just love her delivery on that so good that whole that whole exchange just really really sold me on the way that she's playing this character and uh being so direct and then seeing her on twitter she's amazing inspiring i love it uh melanie what's your take on melissa navi i'm so glad you chose her because she deserves recognition the actress herself seems so cool and awesome and the character is such a delightful addition to the show i love all of her quips, they're great. I love the personality. And in Kingdom of Elysium, when she was Sir Adia, just yeah. terrific. I love that episode. And she's one of my favorite parts of it. So she brings yeah. a ton to the show. It would definitely not be the same without her. And I think this is a great pick. Love it. She's really one, I think, everybody over. Josh, what's your take? Uh, agreed. I love Ortegas. I think she's... Yeah, really fantastic actress. She's a fun character. I want to learn more about, you know, um, I could see her taking a young Sulu under her wing. Ooh. Little little acting things that she do, does with the role are so fun. I, I, I feel like actually she makes me believe she's flying that ship. You know, like yeah. she really mm-hmm. controls. Yeah. Inter- again, interacting with visual effects and all these other elements, it really actually feels like there's some danger here. We could slam into a into an asteroid anytime, you know, things like that. But the 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 danger of flying into the, the black hole, all those things, um, just from subtle little things that she's doing uh, physically in, in operating the controls, which is very difficult acting skill to uh, to effectively sell. I'm actually working these consoles right yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh and make it believable um is great and uh yeah i i think she's great here i'm so glad you said that i had that in my notes and didn't mention it that her her ship driving acting and and the way she talks about it again on like twitter and stuff is one of the reasons i picked her because mm-hmm. it's just like she's like yeah i'm into it i feel like i'm driving a spaceship and i'm gonna yeah. do what it <laughs> takes to Make sure that's consistent and makes sense. And uh, boy, I I gotta 
massive amount of appreciation for that level of uh, commitment and uh, and love for the universe that she's stepped into. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, just you know, being the comic relief, the, the quit. You know, it's just it's, it's an important part to play. Highlight episode, but she gets the best, a lot of best moments in almost every episode. Yeah, exactly. And the best thing about it is that we still have, we still haven't got like a full episode. We haven't got a lot on her. We have a, a lot of little pieces that tell us a lot about her, but we don't have that big core story yet. So we have that to look forward to. Okay, round three. Double, <laughs> Double round. Melanie, what's your wild card pick? Wild card. Ian and Emma Ho. Awesome. Hashtag acting twins. I would like to take a moment to acknowledge the awesome brother and sister actors, twins as a matter of fact, Ian and Emma Ho, who are just 11 years old. How cool is it that they both got to be a part of this season? They were both fantastic in their respective episodes. Emma did a really great job conveying the fear, the trauma, the been there jadedness experience in all those who wander. Ian got a little more screen time. So I actually chose Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach episode for this Dabo pick. I was just so impressed with his presence that he brought to that episode in his scenes with Spock, with Rukia, with Mbenga and Chapel, and of course, the powerful ending were amazing. I thought he elevated the episode and made it more real and believable to me. It was a really natural performance, I thought. And by the way, this episode, the end of this episode was such a kick to the gut to me that I literally sat there stunned for like 10 minutes. And that's what good art is supposed to do. And they were both a part of that. I think both of them are naturals. They're extremely talented and they have a great future ahead of them. Wow. So I did not know that these two actors, this is the kid from uh, Lift Us Were Suffering Cannot yep. Reach and, uh, and the all, girl, those, all Those Oriana. Who Wander. Yep. The, the girl, All Those Who Wander. And so they're not only brother and sister, they're twins. I believe so. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'll, I didn't, I didn't know that they were related. That is so cool. And but I will say, I love that you're highlighting this uh, kid. I guess his name is Ian in mm-hmm. uh, suffering because he was phenomenal. And I got, I'm going to be honest. I got a thing if kids, if kid actors show up and they're not good enough, it it affects me. I it, I, it takes mm-hmm. me out of stories. Yep. There was another yep. big sci-fi series that dropped in May of 2022 that they were okay. They were great. I know a lot of people love this character. I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't want to ruin it for everybody because I know that deep down people will know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't think – I don't think that kid was really up to holding the weight of that series. This kid, Ian Ho, oh, my gosh. He was amazing in this episode. He was great. I know he was in The Expanse, the final season of The Expanse, and he had a kind of a, a big part in that uh, series. He's amazing. I I love it. I love when a kid actor comes on and just crushes it, and they both did that. Amazing deep cut pick, Melanie. I love this. Uh, Josh, what's your take on these two? Great pick. I also am learning today that they're twins. Um, but, yeah, I, I echo all the same things. It's always tough. To get good kid actors and when you get you get them uh it's it's like gold 
tough performances, especially, you know, yeah, getting the emotions of the foreign attack, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. And Melanie, have, there's been very few picks where on Trek Ranch where I'm like, what are you even talking about? I don't know anything about this. So I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love that I'm learning that because that is super cool. Cool. Okay, Josh, Dabo Round, what's your pick? Dabo Round, five words. Crew of the Starship Enterprise. Hashtag use the universe. The world building of the show. Oh, yes. This is so good. Characters, all this we've we've met so many again part of being able to be more episodic they've somehow freed themselves of whatever ties are holding back other more serialized uh trek shows they've they filled the world out we we know so many characters from robert april to chief kyle to sam kirk to um you know, so so many. Even just seeing the 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 crewmen walk through the halls, you you begin to recognize the crew. Similar to Lower Decks, we just it's it's a filled out universe uh, where it's just teeming with characters we just have yet to meet. Love it. I love this pick. I mean, even Mitchell. The I'm not sure what the character's first name is, but she's a navigator. Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. she had a huge role in the Elysian Kingdom. Yeah, she had a big part in that. She was like all over that. I was like, wow, this actor is really getting getting quite a, a role in that episode, so that she could really, uh, you know, show her chops. Anyway, that's uh, I, I love this pick. I love what you said because it's like the episodic nature. You think that might hold them back on that front, but it's actually opened it up in a way. Like even just like the Rongovians, the alien when they're negotiating and Spock and Buck <laughs> and some of that stuff. It's yeah, Ugh, Robert April. I, I love this pick. It's it's or even even to other other just a lot of the, the guest actors and guest characters who just allowed to just sort of have more yeah. character. They they kind of bite a little bit. We only have the one episode that we're introduced to them and have them and deal with them, and then they're you know they're gone. So everything's just been allowed to people have been able to have their chance to shine. Yes. Um, and then the episode that I'm highlighting is Memento Mori. Yeah. Uh, and in moments like, for instance, in the beginning of the episode, you know, Chief Kyle's working on some circuitry and looks up and passes a, a handsome young crewman later in that episode. That same crewman saves his life and die and dies for it. You know, oh, right. Yeah. Like that, wordless that we'll remember that are the, the, the memorable parts of the episode that stick with you in, in your heart and your mind. That's a good shout out for that. Yep. Really, really good. I love this. Melanie, any take on the world building? I think it's spectacular. I mean, I'm a huge TOS fan, and I love the way that this show has expanded the world building like Josh just described. I mean, it's it's just phenomenal. It gets into your heart, and there's so many little details that have been, you can tell, have been crafted and thought through so well to do that, that it just really resonates with you. And I love it. Great pick. Yeah. And we haven't actually said this word yet on this entire podcast, but part of that too is hammer. I mean, that the world building there oh, is to have, yeah. a, have a character like that around was really good. I'm sure he'll come up still somewhere. Uh, and as we keep going through this, okay. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. If not, secondary system. That's what they're yeah, for. It, it just goes back to just strong acting and, and having those good performers that we remember. Yeah. Um, and taking the time to to live with them a little bit longer allows those things to be um, felt so much more than yeah. we remember. 
you know. It's uh, great. Okay, I'm going to close out the Dabo round. I never expected this topic to be at the core of the season. This is kind of on the same thought process as you, Josh. It's also it's something I never thought I wanted to see. And now I love it, and now I want more of it. Five words and a hashtag. Rhetorically, what are friends for? Hashtag. Humans are almost as easy to tease as Vulcans. <laughs> and my episode is The Serene Squall. And my pick is Spock's Love Life or the Vulcan Love Triangle, whatever you want to take it. I Right off the bat, when I heard that Christine Chapel was going to be a character on Strange New Worlds, yeah, I wasn't like concerned, but it, it, I don't think it's that big a deal. But I was wondering, like, are they really going to bother to try to explore Spock and Chapel's past and in a way that would really sync up with kind of what we saw on a limited basis in, in TOS. And then early on, I thought, okay, I don't think they're going to go there because as, as soon as you're introduced to chapel, you've got this really vibrant, spunky, full of life character. And I'm thinking, well, that's not really going to match up with major Barrett's chapel. They're not going to, so it's no big deal, but you know, they're just going a little bit of a re kind of different direction here. But as the season starts to unfold, you get Children of the Comet, you get Spock Amok, you get the Serene Squall, uh, Quality of Mercy. They have all these little exchanges, and they really mm-hmm. start to go there. And it be- and it's became one of my favorite things throughout the season, this love triangle where we know how it's going to end. But but now it's being told in such a cool way that ultimately what I, what I was thinking and why I was hesitant about this storyline is that it kind of has to end on a dour note, you know, because Spock's going to embrace his Vulcan side and he's not going to be talking about T'Pring anymore in TOS and he's not going to be communicating with Chapel in any really significant way on TOS, you know, where it's almost like exes with the past are kind of ignoring each other, but one's maybe pining. Anyway, it's how, I just didn't think they'd be able to pull that off. And now Spock's love life, and I'm excited for season two because I know they're going to do more with this, has become this thing that i really think they've nailed especially as we see it end in the quality of mercy where and the serene squall where i think i think they're gonna go there where i think chapel is gonna become a little bit more uh not jaded but uh just wounded uh, at the end of this thing and not be quite as vibrant when when all said and done and we know the direction spark's gonna go and he's gonna become more vulcan anyway i'm kind of rambling now but the one really cute moment I wanted to highlight was in Comet. And this is when in Children of the Comet, which this is when it sold me on it, was when she says to Spock that, <laughs> that uh, when Spock said he's about to give him an injection, Spock says he can tolerate the pain. And she's like totally flirting, like, oh, Spock, now you're just playing with me. You ready for this? I'm more than capable of managing any pain you can induce. Sister Spock, now you're just toying with me. That was not my intention. I've noticed. Heads up. I love that. I love all the moments in Spock Amok and the Serene Squall where where it ends where basically he's he's telling her that Vulcans can't lie. And she's like, Yeah, you need to start being honest with yourself. That was the end of Spock Amok. So really good. Just a bunch of bunch of great stuff. Jess Bush, Ethan Peck, Gia Santu, the Vulcan Love Triangle. Uh Melanie, what's your take? <laughs> I am so glad you chose this because this was a tough cut secondary system for me. Also, I love, well, first of all, everything you just said, so well said. 
I love how they fleshed this out. They yeah. have nailed it. Like you said, there's so many great little scenes where they have these conversations and they give you more insight into the minds, like especially into Nurse Chapel, what, what she's thinking about deep down. And they they take you deeper into it. And I love what they're doing with it, that in every episode or nearly every, every episode, there's a little scene where it's explored a little bit further and it is heartbreaking. And, you know, I'm sure many people can, can relate to this type of situation. So I think it's really well done. I love the exploration of the characters. I love that this is part of strange new world season one. It's been one of my favorite highlights. So I'm digging it. Yeah. Agreed. Awesome. Uh, Josh, what's your take? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's gone from a story where I had some question marks in the beginning to right. some compelling stuff. And um, the, the more we learn about each character, the more it all deepens and grows. Just everyone's really um, bringing their game to it. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this all all goes. And uh, also to just mention, you know, uh, Tupring is uh, also doing some sort of work on Cybok. Let's yes. go on that, that, you know, with Stan as her like uh, no. there's a whole so, other uh, to this thing that they're just ready to unleash uh next season, hopefully. And and I'm completely confident they're gonna pull it off. So I just where I would have been at the start of the season, I was like, ah, I guess they can re- they'll reinvent this a little bit. But now I'm like, no, they're not really reinventing it. It fits. It's a great mm-hmm. retcon in the in the best way that you define that word. I'm I just really love it. And to be clear, Chapel in TOS, actually, she has, there's a fun streak in her. There's like, she's got some really good mm-hmm. quips. She's, I mean, it's not that like the Jess Bush that we're seeing, but, uh, but, it, but it fits. It, there's, there's like, there's a spryness to how she kind of interacts with uh, some of the characters in TOS. Anyway, uh, sorry, Melanie, last thought. It's just such a good point you made how it fits perfectly. It flows perfectly it makes sense and can i also add how fabulous um fabulously jess bush has handled this american accent because it is flawless in my opinion i mean this is my cheat pick where it's like i just picked uh gia sun sun who uh jess bush and ethan peck and i picked spock and (laughs) capri and and Chapel, because I love them all, and they, any of them could have been either of my round two or round four picks, because they're amazing. Okay, round two. Let's do it. Who is your character, Melanie? Okay, like I said, every character gelled from the beginning. Every actor is phenomenal. All the characters are now part of my heart. I'm invested in all of them. So literally, any one of them, I would have been proud to choose here. So here we go. Five words. Powerful backstory yields incredible character. Hashtag surviving versus living. This is Lieutenant Laon Noonien Singh. Yes, I'm so glad you picked her. That's awesome. I thought about Christina Chong, but did not keep going. She is such a standout character for me. So intriguing with a really interesting backstory that's fascinating that makes you want to know more. She's strong and smart and bold and is a really good leader. While at the same time, you see her vulnerability and we're along for the ride on her journey with dealing with her trauma from the beginning of the season where she's at through the end 
where she's opening up to receiving professional help. She's decisive and bold, and she's, you know, training cadets. I love that look that she gives Uhura in Children of the Comet when Uhura's kind of teasing Spock and Lon shoots her that look like, hey, now. And But at the same time, she also takes feedback from her chain of command when Pike talks to her about how she needs to talk to the staff. And she says, I'll make that adjustment. So you see her really being strong and vulnerable at the same time. She's very by the book, but she also is able to relax and have fun like she did in the um, bingo episode, the Enterprise bingo, Spock-a-muck, right? Her friendship with Una. I do think Christina Chong is phenomenal. She brought so much subtle nuance and great acting that she really created a character that for me personally really draws you in. I want to see more and I want to learn more about her. Perfect summation. I definitely recommend everybody listen to the podcast, all the Asians on Star Trek. They just had Christina Chong on. It was really, really good. Josh, what's your take on Lon? It's great. Fantastic. I almost almost went the same same direction, actually. I think Laon's a fantastic character. Her her strength, her vulnerability, the backstory, her, her dealing with, with trauma, continual storyline. Uh, I think she's just a fascinating character. And the thing that really made me fall in love with her was um, Spockamuck, you know, with her and uh, number one. <laughs> Uh, you know, just their whole dynamic together, you know, just uh, um, good cop, bad cop. I just really was just <laughs> so different. And then just cinched it in the uh, the fantasy episode of Ghost of Valyria. She's just so great to just see her flip. Um, yeah. You know, it's always fun to see what the actors will do and sort of give them a whole different character to play with for, for an episode. Yeah. Yeah. You said ghost, but you, you meant uh, Elysian Kingdom, but yes. Yeah. 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 Um, the and by the way, the my favorite line from Spock and Muck for, of hers was when she brings the Rongovian ambassadors in, and then she's like, "I should go do the security things." She yeah. just wants to get out of the room. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. Um, and what what episode did you pick, Melanie? Oh, you know what? Any one of the first nine would have done, but I'm choosing all those who wander. Okay, that's a good one. All right, uh, Josh, what's your Character pick, round two. Round two, character, five words. The ANR was so cool. Hashtag stop, hammer time. Hashtag too soon. <laughs> it's Hammer. Uh, so glad you picked the, Hammer. Hammer is specific to season one. You can only, you know, uh, so it, it, it's a pick that won't work for future seasons. So do it now. Um, yes, I'm so glad we did. <laughs> uh, but um, he's just such an interesting character. His sage wisdom, his roughness, his, you know, once you get to know him personality, when he's having fun in the fantasy world, uh, just a delightful character that we just needed needed more uh, more from. Uh, unfortunate, unfortunate uh, he just didn't, you know, he kind of got short shrift in the, in the, in the, episodes and in every didn't have a highlight episode per se uh you know i I just wish we got to know him more uh i understand the actor might appear later which i really hopeful for but uh i do think you know it's just one of those this is a great character that we just i wish we had more time with though i appreciate the shockiness of his of his uh 
of his end. And I know that that was a, a planned thing from the beginning. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's a tough one because I really appreciate all those who wander. I love it. The the visceral, just the way that the way that that hurt uh, his death. Uh, it, it it was it was tough to take. And he is a character that ever. I mean, he was popular. Everybody loved him. Obviously, you want more from him. I do think, even though we didn't get a full episode with some of his story, I feel like we got a lot. I mean, there. I feel like I know a lot about the guy, and I feel like uh, he was represented really well in that regard. Even though he didn't get a full episode, kind of like with the uh, Ortegas. Yeah. I don't know. It was I. I. But I just really appreciate. This. I said this earlier about the. Is this this series feels nostalgic and old time, but it's also modern. It's 2022, and that the shock of that death, I think, is valuable. I think that's valuable in storytelling and the narrative, and it it makes it changes the way you look at p- potential outcomes in future episodes. And it's just that's modern television, so it's tough because I appreciate that. There was also this representation angle here for mm-hmm. a, a blind actor, uh, the first actor with a significant disability of that type, uh, being a regular on track and then being, uh, you know, being offed. So, so that's tough. But it's good to know that the actor knew about it going in. That was the storyline for the character. You know, I just think that's that's has to be part of the story that he that he was well aware of going in and knew what that meant uh, from. A representation angle of him taking on that role and it's awesome that he's let's let it be known that he's going to be back in some type of role or roles i don't know if it's a regular or how much it'll be but pretty cool to know that uh that bruce horrock is going to be back because to get into it bruce horrock what a performance i mean he nailed this character from the get-go that first scene with him chopping the carrots just tells you everything you need to know He's direct, he's tough, he's gruff, but you'll love him right off the bat. There's not a single ounce of like, oh, this guy's a dick. Nope. This guy's awesome. Really, really nailed it. Incredible. And just the A&R, the whole thing. Incredible. Melanie, what's your take? Josh, I'm so glad you you mentioned him because I wanted him to be highlighted and to talk about him. I agree with everything you guys said. I love the character and I won't deny I'm pretty disappointed that he's gone i understand the value like you were saying i'm pretty bummed out it is what it is um because i was just starting to really you know get a feel for him and i love his his wittiness he's smart he's wise everything you guys just said his dialogue with uhura was so good and i love in elysium kingdom when the way he jumped into that role emma jumping into the role the way he you know blew on that tool after he cut through the the bars that was just so clever and awesome (laughs) the way he communicated with the um the entity and i just want to highlight one quote that he says that i freaking love which is the pacifism is not passivity it's the active protection of all living things in the natural universe boom i just love hammer love the character the actor was fabulous so great pick for the uh, episode I'm highlighting him for is the the Elysian Kingdom, by the way. Okay, yes. Because I love to explore that. I mean, you just mentioned the the amazing scene with where he's talking about the science and cutting yeah. it through it and blowing. Uh, no, you just mentioned that, so I'll just uh, we're gonna drop it in right now. We're not leaving this segment without it. Here it is. Turn away now. 
or I'll unleash the full power of my powerful wizard powers. I'll, I'll, I'll send you to the event horizon, a dark realm full of chaos and monsters and. There is no such place, my queen. He's bluffing. What are you doing? <laughs> nice wizard powers. I found this in sick bay. We synced it to trigger the transporter. They're in cargo bay 12. Once again, the magic of science prevails. Too much? I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to my round two pick. Again, another one. This pick surprised me, but I'm trying to cover as much ground as I can, and I feel like this is a good place to do this. And they deserve this recognition. Five words and a hashtag. A long-awaited backstory hashtag. Team Hemhura. And it is Niota Uhura, <laughs> played by the amazing uh, Celia Gooding. And Children of the Comet is the episode I'm picking. Obviously, we got this amazing Uhura backstory. I did not expect I'd be picking this. I could have picked anyone this season, literally, as I've said. And I just kept coming back to the fact that Uhura was kind of a linchpin to this entire season and the structure of what they did with these 10 episodes. I just think it was a really smart framing device to have her on board as a cadet and be kind of working her way through these different departments and getting various experience in different areas and having that be a thread throughout the season was just super smart and, and a lot of fun. So I picked Children of the Comet. Could have easily picked all those who want her because I think in many ways, that's a Uhura episode because it starts with her personal log and she's leaving the Enterprise and then they have those incredible moments with Hammer and uh, all those inspirational words to her and then his big sacrifice at the end. And then you're, you're using that as a catalyst to her for her to stay in Starfleet and join the Enterprise. That's her backstory now. It's Hammer is the reason we have Uhura for, you know, 40 years of TOS and Trek. And what was Uhura's response? I've just been drifting. It's time for me to stop coasting. And you feel that serving in Starfleet is coasting? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Who knows where I'll end up? But I'm not afraid to face it alone anymore. Interesting. I never felt that your fear was being alone. I think your problem is the exact opposite. Oh, really? Please, enlighten me. Make friends easily when you allow it to happen. You think I don't like making friends? No. I think you love it. And deep down, that scares you. Because your real fear is putting down roots. So now you're a ship's counselor. <laughs> I understand. It is better to leave than to be the one left behind. But that's wrong. You create bonds. It's a gift. Of course, the people you care about are going to cause you pain. It will hurt, but the love it yields will far outweigh the sorrow. Now, hand me the electron coupler. 
It's unbelievable. And there's that moment where Sam Kirk in that episode says to her, you really are good at everything. She's like, yep, yep, she is. We all know that. Anyway, so I uh, chose showed another comment because obviously Uhura's focus there. She's figuring out. I just think they that that episode, when I did my rewatch, moved the highest up in my ranks from the initial. I thought it was going to be lower half, and now it's top half for me. I just really was moved by everything going on in that. And uh, Celia Gooding's performance, as much as everything, is just perfect. They play the role so perfect, so subtle. It's so difficult what they accomplish here. Just the, the confidence, also with this layer of indecision in a lot of the, the choices they make uh, for Uhura. And there's one really small moment that I'm going to highlight, and this is what sold me on it. Literally the end of the season. It's at the end of A Quality of Mercy when Pike is doing that walk around the bridge and he's connecting with everyone. He's quietly kind of looking at each member of the crew and acknowledging them. And then when he gets to Uhura, they exchange a look that just the, the smile on her face, but also the question and also the understanding and the happiness. Uh, Celia Gooding, they are an amazing, amazing actor, performer. They have crushed this performance as Uhura, a character that has been there forever in TOS and through all the 90s Trek the only one that has never come back from all the TLS characters to be seen uh, again at, at some level in in the TNG Beyond era. That's counting Chekhov in generations and uh, Kirk, of course. So anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, I'm doing that a lot in this episode because I love this season. Melanie, what's your take on Niyota Uhura and uh, Celia Gooding's performance? Oh my gosh, what a phenomenal pick. I mean, wow. <laughs> yes, their their performance was outstanding. I mean, in a lot of ways for me, you really, you said something I, I couldn't articulate before, but I've been feeling the same way, which is in a lot of ways, this character is kind of the heart and soul of this season or one of the heart and souls of this season. And they nailed that performance, the boldness, the sass, along with the vulnerability of it being kind of a first mission. And I have to say, I love in the first episode at the end, when Pike says, we're boldly going where no one has gone before. And she says, cool. Love that. Yes, exactly. Loved, absolutely <laughs> so loved the queen, the um, queen Nev oh, character. Yep. Yep. And I mentioned this on Twitter I think a couple of weeks ago, but in a lot of ways, this Children of the Comet episode, Uhura kind of reminds me of Hoshi's journey in Fight or Flight in Enterprise. I saw some similarities there. Overall, I just have to say, I love the performance. I love the character. I can't really add to what you said, but I was blown away, blown away. And I love the character of Uhura. And they took it to the level where it needs to be just nailed it. Yeah. Just can't imagine what we're finally seeing Ahura. And this is what we're getting. It's perfect. It's literally perfect. Yep. Josh, what's your take? Agreed on uh, all counts. <laughs> um, Celia's performance as Ahura is really just, yeah, been just, just, just so great to finally fill in a lot of those details on this character who we've had around in Star Trek for so long, but have never really gotten to know until more recently. So 
it's great. Yeah, and to make that, that she's the sort of audience POV character. Um, oh yeah, good point. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. It's yeah, yeah. She really did fill that role as well. The, yeah. the character. So that's as, good. As, as as a horror learn, learns about the Enterprise, we so do we. Are learning about it. Yeah, um, brilliant. So that's always so essential, especially in in a show like Star Trek, where where it's so easy to go so quickly into the weeds. Uh, yeah. Fans, you need the, the character that doesn't know anything, so that they can be explained the situation to you know in a in a, in yeah. a way uh, so that we know what's going on and we empathize and all that kind of thing. We wonder what it's like to be a cadet on the ship and all that kind of stuff. And it's um, mm-hmm. and just, it's just so great. And I just can't wait to see where they they take the character in, in season two and beyond. Yep, great observation. Okay, we're here, round one. In round one. What do we got? What's your number one pick, Melanie? Number one. Episode firing on all cylinders. Hashtag instant classic. I chose Memento Mori. Wow. This episode has major feature film vibes to me. It has it all. It's the complete package done exceptionally well. There's nonstop action with super high stakes we have the action scenes at the same time we have the on character growth so we have action and character development happening at the same time just kicking off with this another one of pike's spectacular speeches about remembrance day he's so good there's just so much going on here we have spock getting creative coming up with great ideas great science officer that he is we have the cool transport to the ceiling of the bulkhead situation the torpedo scene the emotional terrific mind meld yowza um hammer and uhura with their plot line what's going on with them and then the relief on Pike's face when he realizes they're alive. I mean, I could go on and on. The writing in this episode, holy moly, is so outstanding. Davy Perez, one of the writers, I'm familiar with his work from Supernatural. There are so many fantastic quotes and dialogue. We have Spock saying to Pike, you made the logical choice. Structural collapse on deck 22. We've lost one crew person. Made the logical choice. Why doesn't it feel like that? For the same reason you made it, because you value life. Captain, we're approaching critical hull failure. Oh, good. We have Pike saying, you know, we don't back down, we don't give in to fear. I believe today will not be our last mission, but our finest hour. <laughs> the way he's dealing with Laon during the episode, learning from her and helping her at the same time. All the sequences, I mean, it's hard for me to articulate, but like I said, it has that feature film vibe. I could watch it over and over. It was magnificent. Perfect. Perfect. I love this episode. I love it so much. Josh, what's your take? I love this episode. It's it's a fantastic. I always love when we go into like submarine mode on the Enterprise and mm-hmm. claustrophobic and ship versus ship the wits uh it's it's just such a well-constructed episode on all all fronts really from the big moments to the small moments they really are just uh, masterful at, uh, at telling the stories yeah i've been pretty vocal on twitter it's my favorite episode of the season we'll see if it's still my favorite when we get to my pick and to to uh re, you know just one more comment to just to reintroduce 
the Gorn and not even see them. I know. The entire episode uh, was just really so well done. Uh, just again, that that's such a great storytelling choice. Yeah, the whole thing was so smart. And I'm just realizing this is listening to you, Melanie, that because, I mean, the episode that you would most compare this to other than maybe Deep Space Nine, Starship Mine, is Balance of Terror, which, <laughs> which uh, oh, yeah, that one plays a part in another episode. Crazy. that What they did this season is is amazing. The, the, this Memento Mori, though, the whole mm-hmm. submarine movie vibe is just so great. I love it. It's It's special. Okay, let's go to Josh. What's your number one pick? Number one favorite episode. Five words. Spock at Spring's Freaky Friday. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> Enterprise Bingo. Oh, I'm so glad you picked this. This is incredible. I love this episode. It is just, it's all just all character stuff. And, and it just is it's so much fun. The the Spock. Supreme storyline is just so so well handled. The acting is just sublime. The way that they handle they, they, they handle, have everybody's, you know, they've got the other characters' mannerisms and speech patterns down so well. Yet they're also straddling that line that the lower decks has handled, which is the just the dry Vulcan humor. It's also subtle. The moment where you know. To Pring through Spock says, you know, oh, I think you'll, you'll notice now that we're actually the other people. And he just yeah. kind of like nods because, they, you know, it's just like it's so perfect as we in the audience. <laughs> yes. The way that they're holding themselves and the hands. It's just it's so well done. So well done. And of course, the the, the, the other storyline around surrounding Enterprise Bingo is just delightful. You know, good cop, bad cop. Damn it. You know, just yeah. three little one-liners, you know, fun goes to die. Uh, I, I still refuse to believe that Chief Kyle is so mean. Uh, it just is uh, uh, just such a delightful episode and that just fills, builds the world out so well and uh, I'm here for it. And you've also got this ambassador negotiation, which is just yeah, truly, truly epic. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the Chapel and Spock stuff that's going on in this episode too. There is a ton happening in this episode, but it's also a low stakes episode. It's uh, it's really, really special. Uh, Melanie, any final thoughts on Spock Amok? Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you chose this. This is way up there for me, top three somewhere. I mean, I just love it so much from that opening Amok time stuff. I mean, I just sat there mesmerized with pure joy that was amazing i love the nuances of them switching bodies my favorite line is probably when spock slash to says i know what a door does i just love it and then we have the spock chapel i did take a note about this because when he says when she says you can call me christine and he says christine you know that direct callback was like oh well <laughs> this episode is just total joy i love it yeah and that line about the door is also the line about the gong which is i have an idea we, we might need a gong i think i have one in my quarters <laughs> <laughs> so good. anything no but i have thought of another adjustment we could try spock you've been at these rituals four hours and none of them are working we may have two seeks him out with this. There is one more chant I'd like to try. We might need a gong. 
I think I have one in my dream. What should we do? You must answer it. These are my quarters. Anyone who comes here will expect me to answer the door. I know how our door works. If they go away, that may give us enough time to fix the situation. Logic suggests the easiest way to get them to go away is for you to answer while pretending to be me. Spock, I do not like hijinks. In that we are in agreement. But it appears that hijinks are the most logical course of action. Okay. My prediction earlier was that going to be that for the first time in Trek Ranks history, we're all going to have the num- same number one episode. That could not be more wrong because we each have different, which might be the first time ever that we have always, each have different number one episodes. So this is fantastic. I love it. These three episodes that are being mentioned are my top three of the season. So it's really cool. Five words and a hashtag. Perfect balance of script performances. <laughs> hashtag terror homage. And it is a quality of mercy. This 10th episode of the season, the season finale. And honest to God, it took, it did take everything I had not to pick Memento Mori. That is a all-time classic. I really love it. And who knows, maybe six months from now, I'll be spinning back to Memento Mori. But I, uh, it's actually hard to believe. I can't, I can't believe I'm not picking it. But this episode and these last, uh, since seeing it, it is so brave it's so brazen just in kind of the choices that they make here it's perfectly executed the introduction of james t kirk in this way this uh portrayal from paul wesley is really really good i love what he does with kirk the confidence the the body lean very subtle leans of his body the way he moves his body the, Mm -hmm. the way he moves his hands He's not doing a Shatner. He's not even close to doing a Shatner. But the confidence is there. It's the Kirk confidence and the the way his body moves. I just really love it. This Pike conundrum. I, I'm just I'm kind of speechless. Balance of Terror is obviously an episode I've lived with for 50 years, and it's one of my all-time favorites. So to see it recreated in this telling is uh, really special for me. I, I actually embraced this idea before. I'm gonna go into kind of off the beaten track here. When Into Darkness was coming out, I was like, I love the idea of them retelling Wrath of Khan. Let's do that. Let's it's a different timeline. So let's go back to some of these old stories and maybe tweak them, tell them in different ways. And whether or not you like that they did it or not, there were people who just hated the idea that they were even going to do it. I love the idea. So to see it happening now here with Balance of Terror. Boy, I embrace it. I love it. I just think it's a really, really cool thing that they've done. And the and the way it fits into the Pike's conundrum and Pike's knowledge, foreknowledge of what's going to happen to him. And now knowing that he can't touch this. He can't change it. He's this is going to be part of his uh his existence and where it's going to end. Because knowing that if he does move it, try to move the needle on it, it's just going to fall to somebody else. And that shot of Spock wounded in that way was uh, shattering, just absolutely shattering. So mm-hmm. really, 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 inc- I just think it's a, a perfect episode and going to be remembered as an all-time classic, not only what you take on Quality of Mercy. I mean, it's just brilliant storytelling. I've watched it three times <laughs> yeah. since it's come out. And, you know, when they started with that wedding, I was like, whoa, right. it 
it's just, I can't really add to what you said other than I think that the love and the care and the thought that went into it, not only is it a major love letter to Balance of Terror, but it's keeping the story moving and going forward at the same time. And that scene at the end with Spock and Pike, when Spock is thanking Pike, that scene gets me. The Kirk character was phenomenal. Like you said, I I just, I'm a hundred percent with you. I loved it. It was a great achievement. Fantastic episode. Amazing. Uh, Josh, what's your take? I love this episode. I think it's, it's, um, yeah, it's one of those great episodes, kind of the the mashup of tapestry and little yesterday's enterprise, balance of terror, uh, it's just, um, yeah, just they, they handled it so well. Um, uh, I love seeing the, um, you know, future Pike in the monster maroon in the, the through looks so good. It's a little bit of an homage to the uh, comics back in the day. The uh, Marvel comics did a storyline where Pike uh, in, in their, in their Pike solo steer- series, they did a storyline where, where we actually jumped to the future and Pike was still in command. And what if, he was still in command of the Enterprise, and, and um, so it's fun to see a different take uh, on that on that idea. And um, it's just a great way to end the season, jump into next season. What's going to happen? Uh, I, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. It was just unbelievably clever, like the craftspersonship <laughs> that went into it. Every yeah. every detail. Just, I mean, that's why I've watched it three times. It just it's just great. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Okay. Let's get into some secondary systems. Uh, Melanie, what do you got really quick? Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Okay. I just want to share my toughest cut of the episode who almost made it for character for me. This was a tough one. I have to highlight Joseph and Benga here because I think the actor is phenomenal. And he this is, is a character so that's already just deep into my heart. I love Mbenga's personality, the warmth, his the wisdom, the wit. He's smart. I love his one-liners when he said, is any emergency landing scheduled? <laughs> yeah, right. I love his um, his story arc with Rukia as a dad, yeah. as a doctor. Just it, It's hard for me to articulate, but everything about the performance he nailed and made, he created a, a character that's just really beloved to me. And how can we forget that scene at the end of that moment at the end of Memento Mori, where he has that blood transfusion plasma bag hanging from his arm and that look that he gives Una. I just love this character, the actor did a great job, and he's a huge highlight for me of the series. I love it. Babs Olison Moken is really, really good in this role. And I think of, I love your little, the one-liner, my favorite one-liner is when he's, uh, the no, uh, where fun goes to die, where he's like, the nickname, I, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> and then he's on the transporter <laughs> when he lets out the nickname and they're like, what nickname? He's like, I don't know what I'm saying. And I just want to mention that I love the pilot just as a standalone episode and as a pilot, Strange New Worlds of the series. I think it kicked it off just in a great manner. And I just personally love that episode. So just wanted to mention it. Brilliant. Uh, all right. Any more? Any more? Sorry. 
No, the rest of mine were already talked about. Awesome. So thanks. Okay. Uh, Josh, any quick ones? Uh, I really just want to highlight plot twists. Oh, yeah. Had such a, that would, that would be like a secondary system for the Dabo round. Um, in particular, Cybok. Cybok. <laughs> so good. To, to finally to finally get a return of Cybok into the Star Trek pantheon, so exciting! And they didn't even they just teased it. Who know, who even knows where this is going to continue? But I think it's it's a it's a it's a really interesting idea to bring him back. Um, and it's ultimately something that's kind of core to Spock's character and to Sarek's character. That you know, Spock, you know, doesn't just keeps everything so close to the chest. So you know, he never mentioned. Cyborg for 20 years. He never mentioned Michael for even longer. He's somebody who keeps things close to the chest. So once all this stuff comes out that he has this brother who's a radical, um, I, I can't wait to see what happens. I think they can do a lot with that kind of idea and storyline in today's uh, world. He's an yep. interesting character that, that can um, come back in different ways today. Yeah, I love that. I'll, I'll say this. People know that The Final Frontier is pretty much my two least favorite hours of live action Trek. <laughs> the second Cyborg appeared on that screen in Stranger World, it made that movie better in my mind. It literally, the second I saw him, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. It's going to make the final frontier better for me. I I love it. I can't wait to see what they where they go with that. So good. Also, just to piggyback on that, the idea that Cyborg is part of the... Um, the Vulcans who um, rejected rejecting that, logic, yeah, that we know, saw in Enterprise yeah. ties all together with things, you know, and then that that storyline was sort of picked up a little bit in, in Discovery. So it's like it's interesting that that's like such a it makes sense totally that there yeah. would be this group of yeah. who would reject it all, yeah. and and now that we've kind of dealt with that idea in other ways in Enterprise, I think they can come back to it with Cybok. In a, in, in a more interesting way than they were ready to in 89. Yeah. Um, we'll get the look at the cyborg we deserve. Yep, I'm all in, all in on that. Okay, I'm just going to rattle off a couple more. My toughest cut was Nami Melamud, the composer. Mm. Incredible score. I think it's going to be one of the best. I had Davy Perez on my list, the writer from Supernatural, who wrote Memento Mori and A Quality of Mercy that you mentioned earlier, Melanie. Uh, the sets. How about that sick bay set? Are you kidding me with how good that sick bay set is? Unbelievable. Uh, shout out to Rebecca Romaine, incredible as Una and number one. Want to see more of her? I'm so glad that they're kind of building that Illyria thing into uh, into her storyline. Uh, for next season, I had Dr. Mavenga on my list and my special shout out. I'm just, I just love this idea. I love the way it was executed. It's part of your number one pick, Josh. It's Christopher Pike picking up on the radical empathy of the Rongovians as the kind mm. of summation of Spock and Muck. I just love that whole scene where he picks up on the way that they just, this is to, they just want to be heard. They just want their viewpoint to be respected. It's really, really cool. Okay. Awesome stuff. Uh, this topic, we have covered a lot, which uh, <laughs> I think we're running long, but that's okay. We don't care. Uh, let's get into our regeneration cycle and recap our kids. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay, Melanie, recap your five. For production design, I chose costumes. For creative, Ethan Peck. For Dabo Round, the kid actors, Ian Ho and Emma Ho. 
For character, La'an, Nuni, and Singh. And my episode was Memento Mori. Fantastic list. Josh, how about your five? Number five, production design elements, the AR wall. Number four, actor or creative, Anson Mounts. Number three, Dabo, the world building, all the supporting characters, crew of the Enterprise. Number two, character, Hemmer. Number one, episode, Spockamock. Awesome stuff. I love these lists. Okay, <laughs> my five picks. Number five, the visual effects. Memento Mori with my episode. Number four was Melissa Navia playing Erica Ortegas. The Alicia Kingdom was my episode. Number three, the Spock Love Triangle. My episode for that was The Serene Squall. Number two, Neota Uhura played by the amazing Celia Gooding. Children of the Comet was my pick. And my number one, a quality of mercy. Okay, so quick stats, no duplicates. The characters who we covered in one avenue or another was one pick each for Pike, Ortegas, Laon, Tapring, Chapel, Hammer, Uhura, and Spock was mentioned in two. In our episode breakdown, we had uh, two episodes that were not mentioned. Strange New Worlds got that shout out in... uh, uh, by Melanie in Secondary Systems, and Ghosts of Valyria did not get a mention. But everything else got almost multiple coverage. So Children of the Comet, uh, Lift Us Up Where Suffering Cannot Reach, and The Serene Squall each had one pick, two each from Spock Amok and All Those Who Wander, and Equality of Mercy, and Tied for First with three picks each. This is interesting. The Elysian Kingdom and Memento Mori. Amazing. Two very different episodes, to say the least. Okay. Incredible stuff. But as we do every week, we've been hit by a temporal distortion. So before we get apart, it's time to hear from you. The temporal distortions are fracturing space-time throughout the ship. Cause unknown. Oh, we know the cause, Mr. Tuvok. all the amazing feedback we continue to receive from our listeners here at Trek Ranks. And this week's temporal distortion is not only sending us back in time, it is shattering the Trek Ranks timeline And it is very on point and actually a little bonus discussion here on how awesome this first season of Strange New Worlds has been. So just the other day, we got a series of tweets from Nathan Royster, who is at Nathan underscore Royster, where he basically made a bunch of picks from this first season of Strange New Worlds and slot them right into a bunch of previous Trek ranks lists and topics where they firmly belong. Super, super cool. This is definitely the first time we've done something like this with the Feedback on Trek Ranks. So here we go. New Strange New Worlds picks for a bunch of previous Trek Ranks topics. Episode 82, top five run of five episodes. His five words and hashtag new Trek rediscovers episodic greatness. Hashtag to boldly go. And his five episode run was Memento Mori, Spock Amok, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, The Serene Squall, The Elysian Kingdom. Honestly, you could pick any five, <laughs> any five of straight episodes from this season and it would fit episode 94 top five cold opens this is great pancakes and horseback with pike hashtag get back on that horse from strange new worlds a amazing cold open uh he did top five comfort food episodes which we did in episode one and 79 of trek ranks and he did shenanigans as the logical course hashtag shore leave 2022 spock amok 
Uh, I got a few more. Episode six, top five food moments, formal attire in captain's quarters. Hashtag you have offended Hemmer. Children of the Comet when Ortegas pranks Uhura. Episode 13 and 14, top five gory moments and scary episodes. Five words and a hashtag. Aliens meets Predator meets Starfleet. Hashtag bye-bye Buckley. Ah, poor Buckley. Buckley rules. (laughs) And the episode, of course, is all those who wander. Episode 24, top five scenes in a shuttlecraft. I love this. Memento Mori. Five words and a hashtag. Morse code memories give edge. Hashtag Galileo callback. So cool. That scene where they trick the Gorn ship. I love. And then one more. Oh, just from our most recent episode. Oh, this is perfect. Episode 138. Top five scenes in engineering to fix what is broken. Hashtag what is your Mm. purpose? It's Uhura and Hammer discussing death and purpose and memento mori. Amazing, amazing list from Nathan Royster. I love it. Love it so much. All right. Once again, that's more than enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal distortion. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all the great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five strange new world season one moments or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call. The Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527. You can always just record it. Send me a DM. We can connect that way. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we have a special episode. It is the final episode in our underrated series. We are, we've done uh, our legacy series. We've done TOS, D Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. We have one left. It's TNG underrated. That's our next episode to close out that series. So Melanie and Josh, if you had to pick one underrated element from TNG, what would it be? And we're using the Trek Ranks Matrix for that. So Melanie, what do you got? Episode, character, moment, what do you got? Oh, boy. I think I'm going to pick one of my favorite episodes that maybe doesn't get mentioned as much, which is Power Play. Ooh, that's I love that. Totally under poor old uh, Captain Bryce Schumer. (laughs) Power (laughs) Play. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. That's a great one. It's a really well-respected episode that is definitely underrated Fantastic. Josh, how about you? What's what's your TNG underrated? Um, underrated episode, um Justice. <laughs> um, it gets a lot of flack. A lot of people laugh at the costumes, but it's got great ideas, some great performances. It's a great early episode. Uh Josh, this is underrated, not uh guilty pleasures. So I'm I'm kidding. I love that pick. That's fantastic. I love that. You love that. That's great. Um, It's a good one. Um, A secondary system to you, uh, Night Terrors. Okay. Yes. I think Uh, that that is underrated. That's a good Hammer Horrors-esque episode. And I think until until I kind of realized like what they were kind of working on and referencing with the horror, I, I never really appreciated that episode. I think that's right. I ended up, I picked that a few times, so I love it. Okay, looking forward to that one. All right, so before we wrap it up, a huge thanks to Josh Zeller and Melanie. Great to have you guys both on the show for this amazing topic. I was wondering if you could show me how to access these subspace communications logs. We're going to do that right now, Mr. Neelix. 
Well, let's do it. Any final trick, subspace communications, either one you want to relay before we depart, Melanie. That was super fun. Thanks for having me on. And I was honored to be able to talk about this great season that I loved with you guys. Thank you. Season two will be here before we know it. Josh, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me. It's always an honor and a pleasure. And um, I just um, always very deeply humbled to be on, on the show. Thank you very much. You got it. All right. And finally, thanks to everyone for engaging with us here again on episode 139 of the Trek Race podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Three on one. Not good. We're outgunned. Time to run, sir. I concur. But if we leave the Brandorf, they will see us. If we go deeper, it could destroy the ship. Good thinking, Mr. Spock. We need to go deeper into the Brown Dwarf. That is not what I suggested. Ortega's plot a horse as close as he can get us to center mass. Sure. Didn't our science expert just say that would crush the ship? Just asking, sir. I did. The pressure against the hull will increase the deeper we go. If we venture too close, the density field will obliterate us. Whatever happens to us will also happen to the Gorn. I believe in Enterprise. We can outlast them. Captain, the lower decks will be first to take structural damage. Immediate evacuation of all decks below 20. I don't like it either. But Enterprise has to dive. Helm, take us down. Aye, aye, Skipper. Dive, dive, dive. Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. Do you have pine for shore leave? Are you kidding? They don't shore leave, they sure stay. All right. The nickname. <clears throat> I don't know what I'm saying. I should probably go. Chief Kyle. What nickname? I can't remember. It's. Uh... Where fun goes to die. It's stupid. The yeoman don't know what they're talking about. If they did, they wouldn't be human. Energize.